Hey, why are you still wearing a mask? COVID's still a thing. People are still dying of it. I guess so, but there's no teenagers dying in high school. Well, it helps hide the pimples anyway. What? Nobody told me to hides the pimple trick? I didn't know that. Hides the pimples? Boys are so weird. No bullshit! Yeah, everybody. Sorry about that intro. I know it blows and it's old. Oh, we're we're gonna fix it, so we cut it down. We just got rid of got rid of Drew. But that cold open is great. That was. I want to thank my daughter Claude. That that was awesome. That's a that's a piece of teenage culture right there. Mm-hmm. You she, said it was a true story. She's the, she's the coolest teenager that I have run into in a long time. She really is. I got to hang out with her again. I hope she's listening. You hear that, girl? You're, you're aces and this show is aces and you out there are aces the smartest people on the planet listen to the no bullshit news hour because you won't be bullshitted we are going to talk about that skyscraper corporate giveaways the rich getting rich the police getting nothing we're going to talk about a flint update and i'm going to give you a at the end of this program a nice spoken word that i participated in uh, just last month about uh the birth of my daughter and the growth of our relationship i thought it'd be nice to bracket the show with, with me and my kid because I love her dearly. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the shooting death of Officer uh, Lauren Quartz and uh, with us is uh, Mark Young who uh, is a big union guy, big big cop and he, he wanted to come on and, and, and say a few words and I actually begged him to come on and do it. But before we get to all that, I want to welcome in as a sponsor of this program Legacy Partners Insurance. Yeah, good people. Yeah, real. I know them. Yeah, they do insurance, Mm -hmm. right? Your home, your car, all that. But we'll get to that another day. I met with them a couple times. If you're turning sixty-five, you're eligible for Medicare, right? Yeah. And if you don't get Medicare at sixty-five, you stay on your private insurance. It skyrockets. So you're getting onto Medicare, right? And if you don't do it within the bracket. Three months before you turn 65 to three months after, you don't get anything. Really? Yeah. You, and so you're probably getting all these calls or your parents are getting these calls, <laughs> right? Or you're already on Medicare or your parents are. You have from October to de- October 15th to December 7th to check out if this is the best plan for you, if it's the best doctor for you, if it's the best prescription prices for you. How do you know? You're getting all these calls, right? Every shyster's out there calling you. You know it's illegal to call? I did not know that either. Solicit people for Medicare? So if you're getting a call, don't. What you want to do... You make the call. I had a really interesting and long couple of meetings with uh, the people from Legacy Partners. Here's what they'll do. They'll make sure you're able to keep your doctors and specialists first and do a complete analysis on your prescription drugs to keep your co-pays low, right? They won't call you. They will, they're local. They're in Macomb County. They'll come to your home. Mm-hmm. And if you call 586-209-4106, they'll call you back today. And if they don't call you back today, you let me know. <laughs> and damn it, they're going to call you back today. But sure they call. <laughs> right? You can trust them and watch this. They're free. Nothing added. Get better health care. Get better drug prices. They'll sit there with you. 
Don't be bombarded. Don't be bamboozled. Legacy Partners Insurance. No cost. 586-209-4106. They'll call you back today. Don't go it alone. Don't be locked out. Don't get shit care. They're, they're really good, decent people. They will come to your home. Some lady called uh, <laughs> called them from Ludington. Yeah, they went all the way up to Her, Ludington. Her, the guy, you know, yeah. VP, drove all the way up to Ludington. Good. That, that's it, okay? Don't. Got nothing to lose. Hang up the phone, stop the calls. They'll come sit at your table and find the thing that's best for you. I don't know how much more I could say it. One more time on the number. 586-209-4106. Don't get stuck. Right? Look out for each other. All right. Good? Yep. Excellent. Everybody get it? What's the name of that place? Legacy Partners. Insurance. Insurance. And they do all insurance. They'll do home and auto, too. We'll, we'll get they to that. a lot of money. After yeah. we get through this period, remember, it's October 15th through December 7th, if you're already on it, to be able to move. If you're turning 65, it's a six-month window, or you're locked out and your insurance goes up the ass. Got it? Good. Get it pretty good that's pretty good. not bad thank you <laughs> you should do commercials charlie i know all right look <laughs> let's get to this i want to dedicate this program on behalf of us all to detroit police officer lauren quartz 40 years old a five-year veteran the son of a cop a father a husband who took a fatal shot to the neck wednesday evening a madman was shooting out the window officer quartz doesn't know who called didn't matter to him. He responded in two minutes. These always break my heart. He has our respect. His memory has our respect. All of you that serve have our respect. Thank you. I want to. Uh, I want to have Mark Young come in. Uh, Mark, it is the Detroit Lieutenants and Sergeants Association, the union. Is this correct? You're the president. Yes, sir. And. We were talking last night, and you're livid. Why, first of all, if you want to say something about Officer Courts, I knew you knew his father, who was also a cop. And then tell me, tell me, just, just what's, what's the anger inside you? Um, I never had the great honor of meeting Officer Courts, but I knew his father. His father was a great leader. He was a retired, he's a retired sergeant on the Detroit Police Department, an awesome leader. He mentored everybody. His father had an infectious smile. His father has an infectious smile, but more importantly, um, he he mentored everybody, including myself. And to see um, him at the hospital on Wednesday night, it it, it devastated me. Um, Officer Quartz is the best of us. We are him, and he is us. And um, the system. The system has to support law enforcement. Um, it is sexy to hear about a negative story about a law enforcement officer, um, but it's not sexy to hear about um, what they face every day and what they endure every day. When I look at what Lauren faced that day, he responded to a shots fired run, and you said it best, Charlie. It didn't make a difference who called or where the call came from, responding in two minutes. Um, and, um, the ultimate sacrifice, um, this world lost a great person. It lost a hero. I've Mark. always been said that I represent the real life Avengers 
and I'm proud um, to be a part of a department that has people that 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 put everything on the line for people that they never met and would never know their name, and to make that ultimate sacrifice, I've been devastated ever since his death. Let's all dwell on that for a moment, just a moment of silence, and think about the fact that a man gave his life for you, and that. We keep lumping. I know there's bad cops and there's few bad cops, but there are, but they're few. That's not part of the discussion anymore. The man, nobody in government ever responds to you except the first responders. No questions asked. And that's what he did. And let's give him his moment. Now, Mark, it didn't have to be. This guy had a weapons charge. He got probation. He had a weapons charge. They were waiting for some evidence from the lab before issuing a warrant. Was this in vain? Like, how, I'm not even going to say the guy that shot him because he's a puke. Charlie, I'm going to be honest with you. When, when I see stories like this, I'm not surprised anymore. These individuals have already had numerous contacts with law enforcement, and most of them should have already been incarcerated or shouldn't be out on bond to create other crimes. Um, and that is disturbing as well. Um, COVID is not an excuse for people not to go to trial, to not be incarcerated, um, low bonds, no bonds, or to, um, to end probation or parole. For some people, I'm not saying that people shouldn't get probation or parole, but some of these violent offenders. And now, in my opinion, um, we live in a society that nobody fears um, the judicial system anymore. I really believe that. And that's to talk on the street. And then they're, they're, not, they're, the just, they're not putting the money there, man. We know you and I both know you're a cop in Wayne County that, that, that backlog is three years, dude. We got rapists out on tether. I, I, I'll tell you this, what, in my experience in my 35 years of law enforcement, um, I found that criminals report to work just like I do every day. Mm. And you know what? Wow. Um, they're looking, they're looking for people to victimize. Mark, you said that you were a part of an organization that puts their lives on the line every day for people that they don't know because they're committed, um, to serve and to protect, but yes. are you part of an organization that is valued by the institution, the municipality and the people that you serve? I, I, I'll. I, I don't think that we're completely valued. I don't think, and it shouldn't take an officer's death or a law enforcement officer's death for us to speak up. I think that real leadership speaks up when it does not affect your own, but when it affects others. And I, this one right here, Karen, I, um, I don't think I'll ever be the same again. I, I, not, not, not that any of the law enforcement officers that got killed in the line of duty was any less, but I think that this one, I'm, I'm, I'm watching as time goes on, that it's, 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 more, it's more important to blame the law enforcement for everything. Law enforcement is not just blatantly shooting and killing people. There's over 900,000 sworn law enforcement officers across this nation. They respond to millions of runs every day. And, and, and I get it. I'm not here to pass judgment on some cases 
to decide which cases are right or who's justified until you've been in their shoes, until you stepped in my shoes. Don't pass that judgment. But what I am here to tell you is people like courts, myself, and, and the men and women that I represent, they get up, show up, suit up, and step up. And you know what? That needs to be appreciated, respected, and valued. I'm going to tell you this. Um, we are in a society right now where everybody has a gun. I don't know if it's for financial reasons that 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 uh, the that the municipalities allow everybody to have a gun because it costs money to get the CPLs and all the rest of that stuff. But everybody has one. And you got to answer and you got to answer the fucking call, not knowing what nutbags out there. Nobody should have a Draco, an AK-47 or an AR-15. That's not a hunting weapon. That's not a hunting weapon. And you know the other reason that I'm angry? Because the garbage law that they just passed, it means nothing. That was just to appease. I, I saw a story that broke my heart this morning about an eight-year-old that is paralyzed from the Highland incident, from the mass shooting. I guess the bullet blew away his spine or whatever it is. And, and that touched me too. There's no reason why all these assault weapons and the men and women of law enforcement from my department and all the departments across this great nation face um, military style weapons. While we want to be kinder and gentler as the police, we're facing the Thanos and the, the real villains of the world. And then we often um, find an excuse that they're mental. There are some mental individuals. But there's also a lot of evil and sinister individuals in this society that victimize people for other reasons. And um, I applaud, love, admire, respect, and appreciate the men and women of my profession because I know and see what they go through every day. I'm going to do this. I w we're not going to play that. We're going to play a clip of the mayor at give, talking to the press at the hospital. Not going to do it. Okay, but I will say this. This is the most dangerous city in America. These are amongst the least paid police officers in the United States. As we speak, the contract for the police has expired. They're leaving in droves. They don't get what they need. They don't get support from City Hall, the community. They're forced into overtime. They're talking about 12-hour shifts again. This... We're giving money to skyscrapers and billionaires and developers, and we don't have anything for these guys to keep a lid on a country losing its fucking mind. I got no respect for a mayor that sits up there with some crocodile tears, and you're not doing the real thing. You're going to drag them into arbitration, give them a fucking penny or two, and pretend like they're not leaving in droves. That's what we got. Am I wrong, Mark? I um, I don't know about 12-hour shifts, but I do think that the men and women of this department are very underpaid and benefits. You need to have legacy benefits, such as retiree health care. You need to also have pensions that matter and wages that matter. And... and um. Officers to respond to back them up. We need more patrol. You know what else happens, Mark? I always want to ask this. 
it's custom, it's culture in Detroit, ladies and gentlemen, around the world. That like when a, a baby, anybody gets shot, the police, first responders, patch them up as best they can, put them in the squad car and drive them off to the hospital because, and this is respect to EMS, they lying about, they fixed it. You can't be sure they're going to get there in time to save the victim. Am I wrong there? Well, I, I, I admit, I admit a lot of our um, members have been first responders to, um, to do uh, temporary triage to get them to the hospital. In fact, even some of the same people that tried to kill us, I've, I've, I've been an admiration of the law enforcement officers that um, rendered aid to them. How did Officer Courts get to the hospital? Officers transported them. The police car. You see me? You feel me out there? The officer shot in the neck. A hero. No doubt about that. They did. I, I want to say this about those officers that responded to that scene. They did a magnificent job like they do every day. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's not being reported. It's easy to report um, wrong, alleged wrongdoing and some other stuff. But the fact of the matter is these men and women of this department go out here and do an outstanding job. Charlie, they did it during COVID. They did it during the George Floyd protests. And they're working long, hard, hours, doubles. And they're doing it under tough situations. They love the city. They love this department. And it needs to be reciprocated. And that's the last word, man. We'll I know you're busy today. We'll leave it at that. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you, Charlie. Equally, and brother. Karen, I love you. Love you back, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. I'd just like to one more moment. Officer Lauren Quartz. May God be with you. I have to say this, though. It should not continue to take situations like this for people to pretend like law enforcement or anybody that it matters. It always takes some type of you know, emotional situation or some devastating situation. And everybody's propped up and talking about how we need to do A, B, and C. And two weeks later, we're right back to normal. If in fact, law enforcement were a priority in this city, it should not, the contract should not have expired and it shouldn't have to go back to the table. They should go to them and say, hey, you know what? You've taken a hit over the years. We never gave you the 10% back that we took when we had to. Here's what you deserve, and we're going to make sure that you get that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have to play by a book. It, it shouldn't be this way, Charlie. I mean, it really shouldn't be. So, again, we got to pay attention to what people are doing, not just what they're saying. It's not a priority in this city. People don't care because they don't think it touches them. They don't think it impacts them or their neighborhood or their family. But it compromises the very fabric of who we are as a community. It's not safe. That's all. It's not it's, safe. It's not. If it's not for safe, anybody, it's not a city. For anybody. So get the, get the contract done. Mike, and if you need help with the contract, I'm trying. Oh. Sorry, Luke. But Luke is it's hard to say really pro-cop. Yeah. Luke Nowacki does work with police, yep. fire, pensions. That's what he does. And he's, I want to remind you that overreaction is not a strategy for the long-term investor. Neither is burying your head in the sand and hoping it all turns out for the best. Like everything around here. Call my friend Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth. 
248-663-4748. Rational financial advice. Inflation. Interest rates. What's your move? Stocks, bonds, do you move your 401k, your college savings plans? Is your company in the right investments? Is your pension fund meeting its projected return? Get advice. Get a strategy. Get clued in. Call Luke Nowak at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Charlie, can I say one more thing before we move on, if you don't mind? Sure. You know, a lot of a lot of people are commenting in support of law enforcement here, and a lot of people are commenting saying, you know, cops are crooked. We have to apply the same thing that we do expect. We always say all black people aren't criminals. All black, you know, they're good and bad in every demographic. And so, yeah, there are bad cops, but you can't throw out the entire department or the entire industry across the board because there are just like you can't do that with people. I know. Karen, I was was just thinking, um, I hope people would see Mark and learn these stories and realize that. They're people. It's not some evil monolith that's trying to control but, everything. But you can't Absolutely. Move them all together. Okay, you wait, 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 wait. Watch this. Watch. I know you're smart. I know what you're saying. What proportion do you think is evil and corrupt? 50? Oh, I don't 30? know, Charlie, but wait, I mean, wait, the thing about it is. No, no, I, I get I get an emails. I interrupt Karen. Hey, you, oh, you're yeah. interrupting me. <laughs> we we talked about this. <laughs> what percentage are you ta- is is a chauvin? What do you talk? You ever been out there? You ever had run-ins with the police? You can't. Don't be immature. Don't be immature. You need them. You're calling them. We all yep. want them. Yep. That's true. You want to defund them. You're not going to get them. You're going to get worse ones. Then that number's going to go up. Don't do that. We got huge problems. You can't generalize. Right on. I mean, with anybody, you know, you can't, you just can't. It's unfair. Um, you know, yeah, there are, there are bad people in everything. I mean, but you can't say that, oh, because this person did this, then they're all corrupt. Right. I mean, you can't say that about law enforcement. You can't say that about any group of people. And, and what happened? What happened to you out there? A man gave his life. If it was your neighborhood, he would have showed up. Right. And you're, you're, you're doing that drivel today. You can't have any respect for this man's life. Like we're, it's, it's not 48 hours and we're doing bullshit Twitter again. You know, I love you and respect you. You know, I'm a loud mouth and a lout, but in the end, I do got love for everybody. Well, you know, most not to puke that's out there killing people. I don't got love for you, Mm -hmm. but no, 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 no. Police are not crooked. But you got to understand, this guy took a bullet. Some are. Yeah. Unintentionally that, you know, there was a car that pulled up before the police arrived. Maybe there were kids in that minivan. Maybe there was someone else. I mean, he took a built bullet that really could have hit someone else. Well, it, it was going to. He was shooting out a window. That's what yeah. I'm saying. The guy was just sitting up there randomly shooting. So, I mean, that, that could have been anybody so you, so you don't want to call so you don't want to call crook, crooked cop you're going to take care of it tough guy i didn't think so here's what you can do you can consolidate your debt if you have a home if you're lucky enough and you can still afford it it's worth more but your credit card bills are higher your grocery bills are higher car notes are now higher inflation's higher You can consolidate your debt by pulling the equity out of your house and lowering your outlay. I wish they knew how to do this 
at City Hall. Mm. Speaking of Hall, it's David Hall hey. at Hall Financial. 866-CALL-HALL or callhallfirst.com. 866-CALL-HALL or callhallfirst.com. Karen, I didn't think it, I was going to get this emotional. Well, but you know, Charlie, it's an emotional issue. But at the same time, we got to get tired of complaining and crying and then 24 hours later going back into what we are. Yep. I mean, I saw a lot of emotion yesterday. I saw, I mean, on the on the officers on the street, residents, people that were delivering the story, This the people are tired. They're afraid. It's like, at what point do we stop saying we need to do something and do something different? I mean, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But what is insanity? Repeating the same behavior and expecting a different outcome? I never heard that's that where, one. That's where we are. I got to write that one down. Yes, you have, Charlie. Of course. <laughs> but you, patronizing, you Charlie. Oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to get hit with the patronizing. Oh, God. I'm coming up fucking lemons again. Hey, somebody told me that, what did they say? That I speak in legalese and government ease. Something like that. Huh? They said, but Charlie won't let you talk. I said, he does. That's how we, that's how we have conversations. That was our 4th of July. Like, I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know, you'll let me know when it gets to be too much. Yeah, that's our conversation though. Charlie's not disrespectful. I mean, because if that Charlie now would butt heads, but he's he's good and I'm good. All so right, zip it, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't say I said zip it. <laughs> well, okay, let me say this. Do you know who does support the badge? Fire, EMS, and the police? I have an idea. Is Grace yeah. Carroll's at American Only <laughs> Island? Do you do you know when when you're deciding down there, copper? Which one you're going to eat in Lafayette or American? The Widows and Orphans Fund, the the Benevolent Fund, Chili Dog Cook Off or uh, Eat Off, right? That goes to you. That goes to widows. That goes to orphans. That's to help you augment that shitty healthcare you got after retirement. That's what that place is all about. And don't take it from me. You can take it from Al Roker. American Coney Island. So good, even Al Roker from the Today Show eats here. Not like that other guy, Al Joker, who eats at Lafayette. So make sure you're a Roker and not a Joker. American Coney Island. Okay, so now we're talking about we don't have enough money in this town to pay police properly. Police won't stay. Paramedics won't stay. Right, Karen? I mean, broke. You're right, Charlie. I mean, but I think that where we are redirecting funds speaks to what is a priority for this administration and for the city. And I think people need to listen very carefully to what, what that's saying. And to this state, because it's now revealed we're paying GM $3.5 billion to hang around for 20 years. The Renaissance Center uh, is empty and the guarantee that GM's white collar people would stay there uh, is gone. We gave another $100 million for a innovation center. Uh, that involves Illich and Ross, the big developer who owns the Miami Dolphins. And then we've got the Gilbert Skyscraper. You need 60 million more because according to Councilman Young, if he doesn't get the 60 million more, everything's going to go away. It's going to shut it down and a billion dollars going to be wasted and 7,500 construction jobs to the wind. Do you believe yeah. that? No, actually, I don't, Charlie. And it kind of sounds like a threat. And again, I think that residents really need to listen and to what's being said and watch what's being done and watch what's not being done. I think that speaks volumes as well. OK, well, you know, we have our ideas. We're plugged into the political system here, but that's not good enough. 
not for the no bullshit news hour, because this <laughs> is the best news hour. It's the smartest news hour. And all these lines aren't written. It's just free flow of ideas. So we want to welcome in Kim Patton, the president of Elevar Design Group, an architecture and planning guru based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Kim has 35 years in the business, specializing in creative solutions to complex construction problems. Basically, this dude knows skyscrapers. What's going on, Kim? Uh, well, the world's changing. Uh, I, I assume this project was a challenge before COVID and is even a bigger challenge now. Uh, the, that type of space, we are... I think my last report said we're about 18% vacant across the country in office space. And so that's the highest it's been since 1991. And it's expected to continue as leases expire. Uh, the, the, that type of building uh, was really designed for a different time period. And certainly now that we're Zooming and working from home and flexible schedules, uh, we're I think that project's challenged to, to go forward post-COVID. So let me, let me back up here. Let me give you a little history of our magnificent skyscraper that is yet to be. They broke ground in 2017. Then they told us it was going to be 800 feet tall, right? Then they told us it's going to be 912 feet tall. Now they're telling us it's going to be 680 feet tall. At first, it was going to cost 900 million. Then it was going to cost a billion. Now it's 1.4 billion. It's, um, I don't know, you, you, you're into skyscrapers. I, I know a little bit about them. First of all, if you're going to build 912 feet high, your foundation's going to be a particular size. If it's going to be 680, your foundation's going to be smaller. And if you're going to put 680 on something built for 912 you wasted a fuckload of money did you knock him absolutely absolutely it, it's an exponential deal uh and on top of all that right now there's a significant inflation in the construction industry and significant delays so you need to you need to have procured all of that stuff uh several years ago just to get in line uh we've had steel orders that are uh delayed by eight to ten months so you, just, you can't just throw around a change like that and say and think you're going to keep any kind of schedule. But we're thinking about pivoting in this time period of, of, of COVID and post-COVID. But this has been kind of dangling here for quite some time, which in our lay person's perspective could have at least realized more progress before COVID hit. Like, why would something like this be taking so long, dragging out so, so lengthy and costing so much money? They, they must not have the tenants, it'd be my guess. Otherwise, because uh, once you sign that uh, intent to lease or, or a long-term lease and typically 10, 15-year lease to even begin to touch this from a finance standpoint. So um, I, I think it's a, a pretty good challenge. If you haven't seen progress for now, um, it's going to be pretty tough to see it continue in any way, shape, or form. So could that be the reason they're coming for 60 Milski? You know, a project that size and with the inflation is running at eight to 10% in construction right now. Um, I'm not sure 60 plugs the hole. So I'm not sure what they're, what they're going after from the 60 million uh, standpoint without seeing all the numbers. But um, that, that project's challenged in a lot of ways. So here's the, here's the, also the background. So let's look at that. First of all, you said it doesn't look like the financing's there because it's not. 
<laughs> it was supposed to be when the state made the deal to give them $250 million in tax breaks to begin with. You're supposed to provide proof of finance. It didn't do it. What's Kim telling you? This is a telltale sign like you don't have the financing. Okay? The slow progress. Kim, what if I told you, in, in the construction business, when you're building a skyscraper, what are the different sets of plans and drawings? There's the architectural. Forget the rendering. We get the watercolors. We're supposed to see architectural drawings, correct? Correct. Uh, electrical drawings? Yep. Plumbing drawings? Yep. Foundational drawings? Yep. So if we're not able to see any of this stuff and the skyscraper keeps changing every year, what does it tell you, the guru, of how to solve complex problems? Well, they're not ready to start construction if they don't have any drawings. Hmm. Holy <laughs> smokes. <laughs> Wait, but you know, that, that, said I'm that, sorry, Carrie, that whole did sit there for a couple of years. Yeah. But, but, but Kim, Kim said that, you know, I mean, and we are, things are different now. So even if they had problems prior to COVID, I, I get all that. Is this even a viable project? Because people are not occupying office space the way they used to. We're not shopping the way we used to. I mean, is it even, should it even be a viable project, considered to be a viable project and worthy of an additional 60 million investment at this point? But I don't know anybody who's planning any cities in the Midwest that are planning anything of this scale. Uh, most are taking a look at existing uh, buildings and trying to figure out how they're going to fill gaps of 18, 20, 25, 30 percent. Uh, you're seeing a significant um, uh, amount of workers that typically fill these insurance companies and banks, as an example, are finding that the, they can send whole floors of people home and they can work from home processing. Oh, that's awesome. The lights went out. <laughs> Sorry about that. The lights went out on me there. Uh, you but, must be uh, in Michigan. It's really good timing. Yeah. So, um, so this, this new building will be competing at two or three times the cost with existing buildings. And so it'll be really pretty tough to do, to do any time in the short term. And that's before the feds raise interest rates later this month. Yeah. So, okay. So a couple buzzwords going around, uh, Dan Gilbert, the developers already put a billion dollars into this. We've got about, yeah, go ahead. I don't think, I think you took a look at it. Didn't you see a billion dollars here, bro? I don't see a billion dollars in that. I wouldn't sign off on that payout. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, like, uh, let's say one Chicago square, that's two towers. One's about 80 stories. One's about 50 stories. And they got a, about a 10 story block in between them. That whole deal, including the land purchase was, was one billion and created about fifteen hundred to two thousand jobs. Does it look like this thing we got sitting in the middle of Detroit is employing seven thousand five hundred people at sixty five thousand dollars a year? I don't think so. So where are these numbers coming from in your guesstimation, sir? I don't know. That's that's it's uh, an interesting question. I'll give it's coming from the developer and everybody's just spinning. Does this is this what happens in the business? The developer comes up with some crap. He's got a few politicians in his pocket. They 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 push the paperwork around, get somebody at the university to do a study, give it to the reporters, the reporters dutifully repeat it, and off we go. I I don't know that it that it's that that uh tenuous, but it, there has been a feeling in economic development that you have to have an anchor and you have to have a, a, a 
trophy and the new environment really is more decentralized. And so uh, I think there's a, a feeling that, you, you know, you're not going to see the density, the bigger, biggest losers in people and jobs has been the center cities, New York and LA and others are all seeing people move out where they can take what was expensive rents and work from home and, and, you know, have a, have a two minute commute to their office as they go from the living room to the office. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, there's a lot of challenges there. Um, but economic development is, is we've kind of gotten away from developing businesses locally and, and building on that and trying to get these big trophy things that they can point to. And uh, I haven't seen them pay off too often. It seems like you guys have had some challenges there. I'm, I'm looking at our young friend. I'm pointing to him, like, write that down. The big trophies don't work, says Kim. The big steel penis guru. You understand me? We're not paying for condoms for this guy. Kim, if Dan Dan just bought well, some LLCs involved with Dan Gilbert, just bought about $45 million of oceanfront property in Palm Springs. $45 million. And yet he needs $60 million from the poorest city in America to finish his thing, his trophy. His penis, right? <laughs> yeah, steel penis. If we don't give him to 60, you understand finance his skyscrapers. Would, would that quash the whole deal? Because that's what they're saying now. You know, not without seeing all the numbers, it's really hard to say. But I, I would I can say that a project of this scale has has more than 60 million in impact over the last two years. So if it was penciling at one level before COVID, it, it's uh it's at least the developers I work with say it's, it's very hard to make things pencil now that penciled a few years ago. Mm, especially when you didn't lock in your steel and your concrete and which we didn't do. Well, yeah. does Kim, is he aware too, that they already received $200 million in incentives and breaks. So this is 60 on top of 200 million. This isn't just a standalone 60. That's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> It's a lot of money. Have you seen it, Kim, where a builder comes back and asks for an additional abatement of more tax relief? Uh, it, it happens from time to time, but it's usually about uh, helping finalize a lease. So the, they'll be working with a, a company that they want to bring in and they've got a project and there's a gap and they'll come and say, hey, I can get these jobs and if we land this company, but it's rare that I've seen it come back without having more detail and trying to close it. So first you, first you develop the land, you get the zoning, you get approval, you start the concept and then you'd come back, but you got to be pretty specific to come back a second time. Yeah. Like city council, like you hear what Tim, the skyscraper guru saying, you need to see some freaking drawings before you do anything else. Right, Kim? Yep. Boom. Thank you, Kim. You'll be back, right? You you will keep track of this. There's a lot of people very interested. Absolutely. It's to the heart and soul of what we're about, where we're going, what we can afford. And, you know, I never talked to Kim. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you. We, have we, Kim? No. Nope. Never met. Ne this wasn't practiced. I didn't know what Kim was going to do. Y'all heard is your first. This is your first dose of Charlie McDuff, Kim? <laughs> it is indeed. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, Kim. You know the Reuters building in Times Square, right? Yeah. Soup to nuts, I covered that baby. You know, the ribbon cutting, the announcement. I was up there with the iron workers, whole nine. So I know a little bit about 
skyscraper, just a little bit. And I know if you don't lock in your cement, you don't lock in your steel, you don't have the plants, you're dicking around for seven years, you lost your ass, right? Yep. Yep. Mm. That's it, folks. Thanks, Kim. All right. You're a mensch. There you have it, Karen. Bye, Kim. Bye. <laughs> okay, get Kim off so we don't go on forever because I could do this. <laughs> get him off. Love you, Kim. Thanks. <laughs> I could do it forever because I'm a nerd, Karen. I mean, but you know what? The thing about it is, though, is that this guy has no vested interest here. He is uh, just a he's a professional voice in this arena. He has nothing to gain, nothing to lose. And he was very tactful in saying somebody's getting a wool pulled over their eyes. And that somebody would be us as residents here in the city and in the state. That's crazy. Let, let me give this to everybody so you can see Kim Patton, president of Elevar Design Group in Cincinnati, Ohio. Check it out. That's he's an industry bigwig. You got a problem skyscraper. You call him. Right, Karen? That's exactly right. And obviously he knows. I mean, we've read articles, Charlie, about uh, new developments in Cincinnati, new developments um, in other large cities around the country that have not encountered these type of issues mm -hmm. or these type of demands um, from the public. So why is it so different here? Like, right. what what is it? That's right. Now, I know maybe this is a little boring for you, the smartest people in Michigan listening to this, our friends driving up north right now. It might be a little bit boring, but I know you got the kids in the back of the car. I know that road stinks and you're coming up on those pilings, those pylons. Mm -hmm. Think about we got to pay GM three point five billion just to stay here. And then they're secretly leaving the Renaissance Center, looks like to me. And then we got to we got to pay Illich again. For some plan we don't understand. And then we got a skyscraper, as you just heard. What the fuck? It's pulling all the money out of the little businesses. You get to pay for it. Our kids have crap everything. That's why it's important. So is Detroit and Michigan uh, the latest in what would be the Me Too movement? I mean, because that's what this sounds like. This sounds like, you know, somebody who feels like they're obligated to do something that they should not do. That is a violation of who they are because they think they're going to get something out of it or that they're going to get in trouble if they don't do it. That's exactly what this sounds like. We're being pimped. Woo. I would be a pimped. They don't work. They're not, they don't pay. To, I know what Coleman was trying to do. It's going to create jobs. The, mm. government's, the government's jobs is not jobs. The government's jobs is to manage the public purse. Police, fire, ambulance, water, schools. And we're sucking everything out of that to do these for, what did Kim say? Big anchor projects. Yep, projects that don't that, exist anymore. That don't work. Yep. There's not a project going on from midtown to downtown that you're not paying for or they don't have to pay for. And ask yourself about all the small businesses in Detroit that aren't getting the breaks. The ones and, that and they continue to close, Charlie. I mean, every day and very quietly, a lot of businesses that came with a lot of hoopla and everybody's, oh, look at this. This is nice and cool. And they're closing. They're closing quietly. It is a struggle. Things are not the same, but we're taking money and we're putting it someplace that it does not need to be. We have other needs. We have other demands. We have other requirements. We have things that we deserve. That's not it. Yeah. Now I'm going to yell just for fun at people. <laughs> Don't send me 
<laughs> your stupid tax it looks better than ever did but you really can yeah. because because we got to talk my brothers and sisters because what you think that's a good thought i understand it i really do but in the end it doesn't work in the end when you give all these guys the tax breaks you got to send your property taxes to detroit to pay for detroit kids school every kid gets what ninety four hundred dollars now if Detroit can't come up with it, you have to help pay for it. God bless you. We're all one community. But when the big insurance companies leave Southfield and go down to Detroit and get a huge tax break, that's a big hole. It's a big hole in the general welfare. That's it. But, but Charlie, the, the thing about it is, is that and, and you and I both, we get a lot of the cyber gangsters, you know, on Twitter and sending us emails and comments and all that stuff. And that's fine. I mean, disagree respectfully. But a lot of times people who celebrate what they think um, are, are great things going on in the city don't live here. So they're reading stories, headlines, and they're watching from a, a 20,000 foot perch thinking that things are really different. What you're seeing is a facade being propped up in a very fragile economic and social environment. That's true. I mean, that's, you what, know, that's, that's what the seeing. city. And then there's the state. And then there's the country. And then there's the world. Yep. And look, man, right. m monopoly or oligopoly is tyranny. Right. We're all supposed to benefit a little bit. You can just feel it getting sucked out. You just man going down to Palm Beach. Gilbert got two two mansions now a mile from Mar-a-Lago. Is he a resident of Detroit? I'm just asking. No, he's he's or got a house. In, he's got a house in Franklin, but I don't know where his legal residence now. You know, in Florida, you don't pay income tax, so that would seem like a, yeah. a place to buy a couple of mansions while we're fucking giving you sixty million for your penis. <laughs> just cap it off and make it a liquor store. And let's move on. So, if you've got a skyscraper. In need of some help, call ADR. <laughs> They're experienced, overseeing more than a quarter billion dollars in private and public construction projects since 2001. Give them a try. ADR, they're competent. Reduce your costs, increase your bottom line. ADR has saved clients millions, Dan. ADR consultants are experts in procurement and government compliance and information technology. ADR. Honest, ethical, smart. Call Barry Ellen Tuck at 248-318-9424 for a consultation. Get the job done right, on time, on budget. ADR Consultants, 248-318-9424. Yeah. Charlie. Yes, ma'am. What do you do when you get off the air on Fridays? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Why? Okay. I don't know. I just thought just crossed my mind. I mean, I was just wondering, like, when this is over, where do you go? What do you do? I collapse in a fit of exhaustion. I really do. This yeah. this <laughs> is is meaningful to me. Everything that we're doing is meaningful to me. It's meaningful to you. And again, we're so glad that you're with us and, and giving us a try. You can, you know, subscribe, click, like, the th all the things, the places, and all that. Do that. Because Zuckerberg's a dick. <laughs> and a shadow banning us. That is true. Oh, Karen Clubs plugging her ears in. <laughs> He's a steel skyscraper. Now we we're gonna we do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> we, uh, we wanted to talk about the the uh, abortion referendum. That's important. We're, we're gonna we're gonna that's too important just to shoehorn in here, right? Yeah. Well, we'll take care of that another. But I I just quickly wanted to give an update when we were on the air last week. Talk about the complete failure of the Flint prosecutions. That. <clears throat> 
Dana Nessel, you know, Madam Nessel, has asked the lower court, the district court, to maintain the validity of the charges in Flint instead of dismissing them as the Supreme Court so ordered. The Supreme Court ruled that a secret one-man grand jury headed by a judge was unconstitutional, that the defendants were entitled to a preliminary examination, and that the prosecutors must bring charges and defend them. Nessel's people are asking for a lo the lower court um, to keep the charges valid, right? And she'll grant the defendants a preliminary exam. But that's not how it works. You got to file fresh charges, madam. Basically, you can't convert invalid and illegal indictments into new and valid complaints. You got to do the work. And then there's the other problem. Remember, another court said that you vacuumed up all documents, including privileged documents between the defendants and their lawyers. So you now must be able to demonstrate to the court that this did not help you find a case to file charges, meaning there's no way to win that. There's, you can't prove that you didn't use these documents because you took them all. It's over. You, it's, it's bozo Judas Prudence 101. It's just bozo. So whoever wants to tweet me, tweet me. I, we've been right so far. We work our freaking ass off in here for stuff that matters to us. And you might not agree. But it should matter to them, Charlie. That's the thing. It should matter. And it should matter enough not just to listen. I mean, access to more information is supposed to make us better, not bitter. People take information. Ooh. They want to argue and they want to be mad and offended. Take that information and figure out how do you use it to make things better for everybody. That's the problem, you know? I mean, if people read stuff and they want to argue about it, like, okay, if we're wrong or if there's more, help all of us be better. But people, it's like, mm, come on, guys, let's, let's, let's do something. That's what we do, fellow Not Detroit us. News columnist Karen Dumas, who <laughs> appears every Tuesday and I'm on Wednesday. Good plug. Right? No, we we like we, no, we, we do like to argue. Like, but but come from a place that not not from a talking point. Yep. You're being you're being fed bullshit. And but again, that's my point, Charlie. Is I and I'm sorry, is, I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to see what it was like. You did it again. Um, <laughs> oh damn. This show didn't good. But I mean, but but seriously, that's the whole point of you taking the time, you know, you investigate, you research, you do all of this stuff. It's not just to evoke an emotion. It's to evoke an engagement. Like, how are you going to function differently from this point on so that you make a difference for everybody? That's the question we have to all ask ourselves. I'm going to let that hang for a minute. Think about that, folks. On your way up north. Now, to evoke an emotion. On your drive, this part you'll like. I think you'll like this. This is me at the... Uh, name, name the spoken word. Uh, the Satori Shakur host. Society of Swisted Storytellers. It's it's Detroit's moth. In fact, yeah. they mm -hmm. trained and studied and participated and traveled with the moth. And they asked me to do something. And this is a story about my daughter and I from the day she was born to today. I didn't get the phone call. I was in the mountains of Vermont working for the New York Times on the stories. So I'm in the mountains. I don't get the message until the following morning when I'm at the airport. It's from my wife's friend and she's hysterical. Charlie, where are you? Amy's in the hospital. 
baby's coming early. And I don't want to be that guy. You know, the guy didn't pay attention to his kids. I don't want to be my dad. I didn't want to be my stepdad. I didn't want to be my second stepdad. Okay, I was working. But when you think about it, a workaholic and an alcoholic is pretty much the same thing. The woman at the counter says, sorry, sir, you, there's no flight for you until next Sunday. I vomited. I did. I vomited right there. Some old white lady, the janitor, cleaned it up, was cool. And then the lady at the counter did what they could do. And they got me a flight. Burlington to Chicago to L.A. You got to run in Chicago. That It's going to be tight. We land in Chicago and the stewardess says, ladies and gentlemen, a man is trying to make the birth of his child. If you could stay seated while he goes up. Yeah, they didn't do that. They all got in there. They wouldn't let me around. I'm like, Fuck Chicago. Let me get you. You know, I know you've been there, right? Boring. I don't get it. That's the thing with Chicago. I get to L.A. I call my wife's friend. My wife has not delivered the child yet. Lion queen. <laughs> 24 hours of labor. She holding on. Lion queen. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Hi, babe. They're at home. Hell no, they're not coming out. Still COVID. So what was that? So, uh, okay. I get there. My buddy picks me up from LAX. We're flying up La Cienega. Just flying. We're going to get to the hospital. We get caught by a light. Beautiful night. I remember it was Sunday. The moon was huge. It was yellow. The stars in LA don't twinkle. Did you know that? They know it's something to do with the desert and the ocean, but they're dead. But the moon was alive. And there was a dude. There was a dude at the crosswalk, like 1030 at night. Kind of lit. They're La Cienega, right? Okay. And I just feel compelled. I have such joy. I roll down the window. I go, hey, bro, I'm going to be a dad. And he says, what are you going to name it? I go, I don't know. He goes, name it Alexander. I go, what's your name? He goes, Alexander. <laughs> you know, in L.A., anybody walking around at 1030 at night, we got a name for him, suspect. <laughs> just saying. It's a culture thing. So I get there in time, my lion queen. And they swaddle the baby. And I see the baby be born. And just the sidebar, I just thought of this. Why the fuck did they hand it to the guy first? Like it's a trophy? Like, I have 90 seconds to do with this thing. You know what I mean? And they're giving it to me. That's like barbecuing. Dude, you don't cook at all, all year long. And then it's barbecue time and you get the meat. Like, you know how to cook. Just... It's fatherhood. I get to do it. They give me my daughter, and I look at my daughter, and I introduce myself, and I said, hi, my name is Charlotte. I am your father. This is all true. This is true. So all this is true, so I wouldn't bullshit you. I said, I am your father, and here's what I can tell you about life. I do not wish you to chase happiness. I ask you to chase contentment. Follow contentment. What is that? Contentment is the great om. It's the rhythm of like, yeah, go for happiness. But if you always try to say happy, you're going to crash. It's a narcotic. It comes and it goes. And then there's self-loathing. That's the dip. You want to find equanimity. 
The great rhythm, nature requires equilibrium. It always seeks it. It's the natural law. Yeah? That's the song of the night cricket, is it not? I don't know. I'm going to have a beer and go listen to crickets when I'm done. So we go home the next two days. We're able to go home. The ladies take a, a nap. I shave my whiskers. I wash the puke off and I go to my writing desk and I write that story from Vermont. And it was about the Green Party candidate for governor. Okay. And his platform was Vermont should succeed from the United States. The United States is so fucked up. We can do it alone, which is interesting because it presages all the MAGA thing and all the discontent. And so I found it to be interesting. Plus, he was funny because he was a stage actor from Vermont and he dressed like Ethan Allen, the general from the Revolutionary War. And he walked around town with this shit, right? Because we should secede from the crown. And I was like, that's cool. That's a great story. I can do that. And when I went to interview him, this dude, he's just a stage actor, but he wanted to look good for the New York Times and our camera and stuff. So he's walking up the old country lane with a horse. By the way, he can't ride it. He he just thinks it looks cool. And I'm like, that's great. And so we're interviewing him. And this, like, you know, he's got the, the woolen on and the epaulets and all this stuff. And this horse, he can't control it. And this horse is... And it was great. I wrote it. My baby's here. I press send. They're going to love that in New York. But they don't love that in New York. I got back from the fancy editor, the one that grew up in Paris and went to private school in Boston. <laughs> what happened to the professor you're going to write about? This guy's a loser. Everybody you write about is losers. We have to talk. Don't laugh. Here's the serious part. That's what they think about us. They're calling you losers. My people, working people, factory people, people without a job, people from the Midwest, people from a broke up town. We're not fucking losers. There's more of us every day. You don't get it because you were raised in a soapbox somewhere in the sky. That's I, can't. I fucking quit. I quit. I quit my big shot job because I had a new job anyway. Stay at home, dad. <laughs> oh, it's cool. And my daughter's watching, honey, I love you so much. We have all of that. The first word, the first tooth. She used to eat leftover curry like at eight months old. It was awesome. That was the best job I ever had. I mean, I was lucky I could do it. But then I learned some things about L.A. Yeah, right on, thanks. <laughs> See, after the show, you can buy me one. Because I didn't get toast for my 30th. I'm kidding, babe. It's going to be great. You know the Sunday's going to be great. So what I didn't know about L.A. is the streets are, like, wild. You I mean, you drive them, but when you actually walk them with the, the preambulator, this isn't safe. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's isolating. There's not a green space, like a little park, for like two miles. You got to walk like Sunset Boulevard, Santa Monica. You're like this. I didn't like it. Then I imagine my dog. We, we're from you. We're from here. We don't got nobody out there. And I'm, I'm thinking, 
I can see my daughter now at 14 years old with the blue mascara that was at the eyeshadow, like too much of it and a halter top that's too tight and, and her little budding breasts. And I'm like, we got to get, you know, oh, this is, so I wrote about it for Vogue. <laughs> big shot leaves the big time, stays at home and feels sorry for himself while he's staring down at a diaper and a Wintour, you know her? She commissioned it. Devil Wears Prada, Anna Wintour. Yeah, it was cool, man. It caused a shit storm. I mean, a shit. Women from a powerful women, you know, like writer women, New York Times, when Washington Post, they nailed me. Basically, they call me a, an erection in print. <laughs> now, why would they do that, I'm thinking? Because I think it struck a nerve. I don't know if it was when I wrote about getting kicked out of the mommy and me yoga class, the injustice of that. Or maybe it was when I was drinking wine with the Latina mommy uh, nannies in that park. I'd bring the wine. We all hang out. We, we're all girlfriends. It's great shit. They give me pointers. <laughs> they did. And then they told me like, yeah, you know, I think sometimes the child loves me more than his own mother. In fact, the child does call me mommy. And I could understand why a lot of powerful women would write such things because it was true. Because that yin and yang, that contentment, if I can have this career, but I got to give this and that ultimate bar is not where you need it. Don't, don't chase it. Fuck it. Nobody from the New York Times, no jet setters, not my guy friend covering Afghanistan, not the guy that covers West Africa, you know, all my friends, all the big, nobody wrote me about that. But I did get one letter about two weeks later. I know we're not supposed to have prompts, but they're not paying. <laughs> Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Look at this. And California at the time was $3 billion in the hole and the dude stealing stamps. You want to meet a little bit? Want to hear a little bit from me? That was pretty funny, wasn't it? That we didn't even rehearse it. I just came up with it. Okay. I'll just start from the, you know, not too, okay. So he wrote, Governor Schwarzenegger writes, writes, and I know you've got all kinds of advice from friends. From open like wisdom to complete ignorance, so I don't have anything to add to that. Just know what you're doing will be more fulfilling than any of your wild adventures. In fact, it may be your wildest yet. Any father would die to have the life you have. He had read it for what it was. A rambling confession of self-doubt. And he was telling me, dude, you know what to do. Follow. Your heart, follow that own. And he ended with this. If you ever start to feel unimportant, you're wrong. But you can always relive the glory days, tell people about your buddy who can lift you with a single finger and runs the biggest state in the world. Or give me a call. I would love to hear about your new assignment. Sincerely, Arnold. So I know what to do. 
I'm the 10th generation Detroit. The founding of the cities, my people, my native side of my family here way before that. My daughter's the 11th. I've got aunts. I've got uncles, grandma. I got steps. I got everything. This everything that I am is here. You always circle home. That's your, that's your arm. So I took a job at the Detroit News. Hey, hold on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, like Detroit. Wow, it's a reporter's wet dream. This place is nuts. It's, see, it's, I'm in the weird business, and in Detroit, like, you don't go to look for it. It finds you. Okay, reporters, we're leeches. We're merchants of misery. We are. We're bloodsuckers. We are. But the stories, my God, a, a man's lying dead in front of, you know, the, the 911 center where the police got to swipe in. It's the 911 center. There's a guy lying dead right at the swiping place for six hours. Well, that's a good story. Um, famous councilwoman, uh, I'm interviewing her. She's wondering if I'm wearing a wire. And she's, she says, are you wearing a wire? <laughs> and I said, no, madam, that's a roll of quarters, but I'm flattered. I'm really am. The ultimate story was the frozen guy in the elevator shaft. Y'all remember that? The two feet sticking. I did that story. Basically, a man got high. He died. They threw him down the elevator shaft. There's a lot of water in there. frozen. The only thing was two feet sticking out. Dozens of people knew he was there. Nobody did anything. They left him. Man, fuck it. Right? I mean, so I wrote that. How cold has the collective heart grown? I know things are tough. But we lose each other. We lose everything. Call the police on that. Naturally, the media ripped me up like, like, I, like I did it. <laughs> like we, we called the police. You didn't call 911. I'm like, you believe that? Everybody knows you called the police. They ain't answering. They didn't answer. It was, it was everything in an in elevator shaft. So we lived through it. It's okay. I'm tough. You know what I'm saying? The daddy and me thing. I lived through that. I was fine. No problem. But through it all, my daughter really starts to become a woman. She's growing and I see it in her. I don't, you know, grandma's stories, the history. Of the, we take a ride and she said, pops, how come people don't love the buildings anymore? It's a really great question. I mean, what are you going to say? I said, it's not really important. It matters if people love each other. And she seemed content with that. Because that is the truth, madam, is it not? So, children, how you doing? Forgive my swearing. Sorry. Apologize. My daughter, I think, believed it until Sergeant Ken Stiles of the Detroit Police Department led a special ops team, you know, barricaded gunmen, that kind of thing. Ken Stiles never had one abuse complaint in his 20 years on the force. Ken Stiles never discharged his firearm one time in 20 years. Ken Stiles is the guy you call. He doesn't know you. I got a maniac who just shot his father and he's running around shooting at other people. No questions asked. He shows up. He takes one. Leaves a widow and two boys. His widow calls me and says, can you please, this I'm at Fox 2 at this point. Can you please bring your camera? There's something I want to tell you. I said, sure. I come over. She says, I forgive the man. I forgive the man. 
There's too much hate in the world and love will save us. And I think the man, if he knew what he had taken from these two children, he wouldn't have done it. How profound. That's why I really do the job. I just I love that. It's things you'd never get to see. And then came Ken's funeral. Magnificent. You know, you've seen him. The carriage and the everything. The pomp, the circumstance. And at this one, there's a placard. Sergeant Styles who gave his life protecting people he doesn't even know. And they unveiled it. Posthumous promotion. Captain Ken Style. Let's all do that. Captain Ken Style. Come on, do it with me. Do it with me for real. Do it with me. See? Yeah, that's nice. So his plaque's on the wall and the, the wall of dead in the, in the police headquarters, except his wife to this day receives Sergeant Ken Style benefits. To make matters worse, the woman and her two children were denied insurance benefits because of the bankruptcy. So this, this was bullshit. This was bullshit. What about their contentment? What about their protection? City Hall decided to make a movie stunt out of this shit. Just think about the leadership. They represent us. You don't lead me. You get done what we asked. And you, and you just, you did that. So I went home and I cried. Look, I watched the towers fall and I cut, covered ground zero every day for 365 days. I did not cry. I watched the church in Baghdad get blown up on Sunday. I did not cry. See, you know, I, I do not cry. I cried. And my daughter came in and she laid on the bed with me and she put her arms on me and she said, what's the matter, Pop? And I explained to her and I said, I tried so hard. It's not fair. And my daughter says, that's okay, Pops. You did your best. You're trying. You know. And you have to be content with that. Now, I don't know if there's some grand cosmic thing going on, you know. I, I don't know if it's kismet or destiny or it's from my mother's stories or what it may be. I think it's probably just a father and a daughter. And that's going to have to be good enough. Now she's learning to drive. <laughs> and I'm the instructor. And because I love you too, when she runs the stop sign or something like that, oh, I ball her out. Oh, I, I ball her out. And she turns to me and she says, you know, Pop, you're making me feel bad. And then it dawns on me that one of the biggest inhibitors to her contentment is me. But we're just going to have to roll with that. That's the value. I've got her. She's got me. We've got Detroit. And we've got you. Thank you and happy Father's Day. Well done. That was nice, Charlie. That was, really, that was really nice. Thank you, Karen. You're really nice. <laughs> so stop yelling at her. She stop was yelling at me. me off. <laughs> <laughs> Why does I'm everybody kidding. get a pile on me? <laughs> I'm human. I have feelings. 
That's why we're trying to balance them out. So I'm trying to make them all go away. <laughs> How's your children, Karen? They I can't. I just miss my dog, Charlie. Oh. Terribly. And Mark misses his cat. Still, yeah. But remember all the stuff you do have. Yep, that's true. Remember we have each other. Better or worse. I really do love you, Karen. Love you back, Charlie. Right I on. really do. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. <laughs>